Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, right here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden. And we're about to jump into what happened with AOC and these falsehoods. Is All Out Crazy telling the truth or is she not? Let's dig right in. She's made these claims that, you know, she hid under her desk and she did all of these things and ran and hide and ran to the bathroom and did all sorts of things during the uh, riots at the Capitol on January 6th. One of the things that she said that she had a very traumatic experience with the rioters. I want you to listen to this. I had a pretty traumatizing event happen to me. I can tell you that I had a very close encounter where I thought I was going to die. Now, not only did she think she was going to die, but this is something she knew a week ahead of time that would happen and didn't take any effort other than maybe not being in the Capitol Rotunda building, in the actual Capitol building. She was in the Cannon Office building, which is across the street. Now, I guess you could say it's all considered Capitol complex, but it's literally not inside the Capitol where the attack was going on. That's like saying, you know, I was um, there's a fight going on at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas and saying, well, you know, I was on Las Vegas Boulevard. Well, that's great. But you weren't at the fight. And it's, it's that type of thing. But I want you to hear her talk about how she knew that this was going on a week before on uh, what would happen on January 6th. One week before, the week prior to the insurrection, I started to get text messages that I needed to be careful. And that in particular, I needed to be careful about the 6th. And those text messages came from other members of Congress. Um, not, they were not threats, but they were other members saying that they knew. Yeah. Now, the other members, she says that, you know, she was she felt safe, um, not safe. Uh, unsafe going to the extradition point to get the people they evacuated all the you know the Rayburn building the the Cannon building and she felt unsafe because quote unquote white supremacists would um reveal her location listen to this I myself did not even feel safe going to the that extraction point because there were QAnon and white supremacist sympathizers and frankly white supremacist members of Congress um, in that extraction point who I know and who I had felt would disclose my location. So now AOC, she feels they're going to come and get her this, that and the third. Now, what's interesting, I've got this right here from Snopes.com. Now, Snopes is running cover for her. Uh, asking the question, did AOC exaggerate the danger she was in during the Capitol riot? And the rating they come up with is what? Well, it's mostly false. 
And he says, what's true? AOC was not in the main Capitol building where the House and Senate chambers are located. That's the true part. She wasn't there. Then later it goes on to, you know, kind of lay some cover for her saying when the attack on the Capitol began, she was in her congressional office, which is located, they claim, in a network of office buildings, but they don't mention it's literally across the street outside of the building. Of course, it's in the Capitol. You know what else is surrounding the Capitol? The White House. Lots of things surround the Capitol. It's Washington. But this is how they choose to phrase it. So, yes, I'm going to agree with Snopes on this one from my perspective. Mostly false. Her claims are mostly false. They're saying she didn't exaggerate. I'm saying she grossly exaggerated. Because, you know, if you were in World Tra- one of the World Trade Center buildings, you want to make it clear. You're not going to say, listen, I was at the World Trade Center on 9-11. Most of the people that were at the World Trade Center, you know, got out. And those that didn't, they perished. So you're not going to say I was in World Trade 5, which blew up, I don't know, four or five hours later, three hours later, and in a controlled demolition because they wanted to bring them down because they were unsafe. That's not the same as being in the buildings. They got hit by the planes. And I think it, it doesn't take um, rocket science or anything like that to make that distinction. But AOC, when the cops get to her and they try to evaluate her, she says, well, you know, I was uh, afraid of these cops. And she decides to attack the cops. Check this out. When I come out um and i come out and this man is a capitol police officer but the story doesn't end um it's a capitol police officer there was no partner was not yelling you know capitol police etc etc but then what but then it didn't feel right um because he was looking at me with a tremendous amount of anger and <laughs> hostility. And um, things weren't adding up. Like there was no partner there. And there was no one was yelling. He wasn't yelling like, this is Capitol Police. This is Capitol Police. And he was looking at me in all of this anger and, and hostility. And at first, you know, in, in my brain and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I just came from this super intense experience just now. Maybe I'm reading into this, right? Like maybe I'm projecting, um, maybe I'm projecting like something onto him that, that like, maybe I'm just seeing anger, but maybe he's not trying to be angry. Um, but I talked to G, my legislative director, after the fact, and he said, no, I didn't know if he was there to help us or hurt us either. So now they just make it up as they go along. And again, these are her feelings. This is her opinion. She's allowed to feel that way and tell whatever story she wants to tell. But she continues to face criticism over these initial claims that she made about the the January 6th riot. And a lot of people are now saying she wasn't in the building when it happened. So this is going on because she decided to put this video out that you're hearing the clips of. And we know that her office is located across the street. Now, of course, it's accessible through an underground tunnel. But you're talking about a centralized attack. People were coming up the Capitol steps. People were inside the gallery. People were on the House floor. This is where everything happened and people were trying to get in through the various entrances. She was not in that proximity. But she claims she was. Her neighbor, Representative Nancy Mason, I just uh, shared that with you. She decided to uh, come clean and say, nope, wasn't happening. 
This is what's going on. But of course, AOC says that she is a white supremacist and she thought that they would reveal her position. So the saga continues. Now, in response, AOC says, I don't know if I was going to make it to the end of the day alive. And we played that for you. So now there's also more backlash coming from other people saying that, you know, the Capitol Police bursting into the office saying that uh, the officer's presence didn't feel right and all of that. Is that something, I mean, if you're under attack, I get it. You're going to be fearful of everybody that comes. But if you see some cop come, typically you're going to be like, oh, thanks. (laughs) You know, thanks for rescuing me. It's like when you get a flat tire on the side of the road and you see some big tow truck pull up, you're like, whew, it's a sense of relief, but not AOC. So, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff is specific and particular to her. She sees the police roll up and because she's abolish ICE, I hate the police, defund the police, she thinks, ah, you know, they're going to hate me. And if she thinks they're looking at her with disdain, well, geez, if I spend my career raising money on the slogan, defend the police, you know, uh, excuse me, defund the police instead of defending the police, abolishing ICE, putting people at risk and, you know, poo-pooing law enforcement, and now law enforcement comes and does their job to rescue you, I don't blame the guy for looking at her sideways like, oh, you, (laughs) you who hates me, you who wants to defund me, now here I am, how ironic, how rich, I have to save you. But this is AOC, this is how she she rolls. Now, of course, the um, accounts in Newsweek, from AOC were challenged by Nancy Mace. And I want you to look at those. I'll tweet them out uh, at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S. But I think it's so important that we take a look at these things because now she's saying that when uh, One American News Jack Posobiec reporter says AOC wasn't in the Capitol building during her, quote, near-death experience, she says, this is the latest manipulative take on the right. They are manipulating the fact that most people don't know the layout of the Capitol complex. We were all on the Capitol complex. The attack wasn't just on the dome. The bombs Trump supporters planted surrounded our offices too. Now, what's interesting is she tweeted that just a few hours back. It was yesterday. And my thought is, why isn't Twitter saying there's no proof that these bombs were planted by Trump supporters? It's unknown. It's still under investigation. So for her to maliciously say that to her fellow Americans as a sitting member of Congress, I think is just reckless. It's reckless. She's carelessly spewing opinions that, of course, are protected under the speech and debate clause of the Constitution of the First Amendment, of course. Doesn't make it any less reckless and careless. It's irresponsible. She's a congresswoman. She should comport herself accordingly, I would think. But it's okay if she wants to be a bull in a china shop. Sometimes I go for those. I love Trump for being that way. Maybe some people love the fact that she's just going to lob Trump supporters into everything. You know, like, oh, there was a rape until, oh, it was those Trump supporters again. You know, again, listen, if that's her shtick, she can do it. But Candace Owens called her out in a tweet saying, you know what? I don't know that that's exactly accurate. And Twitter, you should do something about her spreading this false news. And AOC loves to cry and say that Fox News is spreading lies about her. And I want you to hear her go on and on about Fox News lying about her. Check this out. Just the very uncertainty that you don't know if that person was actually trying to protect you or not is already deeply unsettling. Um, And, you know, 
I'm not here to say that that any I'm not here to pass judgment on any one individual or on any one officer or this, that and the other, you know, and um, a lot of Republicans mischaracterize my position um, and Fox News amplifies a lot of these lies, um, which in turn leads to a lot of violent threats. Um, and I could do a whole other IG live on other times that I thought I was going to die. And like I tend to deal with things as well with humor and dark humor. And it was like one of the things I was telling my staff that day was like, well, at least this isn't the first time I thought I was going to die in my first term. Um, but um, but it's that lack of trust that creates so much volatility um, and fear. Volatility and fear. And again, not the first time she thought she was going to die. Now, this is the same AOC that last Thursday tweeted that it's unacceptable. We now need to know more about the Robinhood app and the decision to block retail investors and got into it with Ted Cruz, ultimately saying that, you know, Ted Cruz was happy to work with almost anyone that wasn't, uh, you know, she's saying she doesn't want to work with him because he was trying to get her killed. And if you just analyze the situation and here's the context of it, I'm happy to work with Republicans on this issue. There's common ground. But you almost had me murdered three weeks ago, so you can't sit this one out. So you can sit this one out. Happy to work with almost any other Republican that isn't trying to get me killed. In the meantime, if you want help, you can resign. <laughs> now, she thinks she's witty. She thinks she's funny. I laugh not at her joke. I laugh at her. Because why? Well, it's clear. She's literally saying that a member of the United States Senate tried to have her killed. I mean, come on. Nobody was, if anything, they were saying, hang Mike Pence. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, not hang AOC. She walked out of there without a scratch on her. So what gives AOC? But again, she's entitled to her own opinion. And as we heard her say, and we'll hear her say for the last time, cut five, she was afraid for her life. Check this out. I can tell you that I had a very close encounter where I thought I was going to die. Um, and you have all of those thoughts, um, where, you know, at the end of your life and all of these thoughts come rushing to you. Mike Pence was there. Nancy Pelosi was there. Lots of people were there. None of them said they thought they were going to die. They took the opportunity to score political points and say that Trump caused the insurrection. And I think they're wrong for it, at least, you know, Pelosi, Schumer at all. But that's politics. AOC takes it to a new dimension with literally trying to throw people under the bus saying they tried to kill her. Keep it locked right there. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on with Twitter, Facebook, and is Parler coming back? Dan Bongino has a few words to say about what's happening with the social media network known as Parler. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. Parler is coming back at it, trying to make a comeback, but having some issues with their CEO. And now he's saying that they tried to get rid of him for content moderation. Not sure how true that is. Let's take it to the tape. Our buddy Dan Bongino, as you know, is uh, has an ownership interest in Parler. And 
Following the memo leaked to Fox News in which Parler CEO John Mates announced to employees that he'd been terminated by the board of directors, uh, Dan Bongino put out a live stream video to correct the record, saying that the story that people were hearing, unfortunately, just wasn't correct. Now, Bongino has an ownership stake in Parler and said that he doesn't have any personal gripes against John, the CEO, but he wanted to be crystal clear. But John decided to make all of this public. They didn't. They had decided they were handling it like gentlemen, and John decided to put out this memo that was made public to different press agencies. So I want you to hear a little bit of Dan uh, setting the record straight. Check this out. So uh, it's time to correct the record. The Parler CEO, John Massey, was uh, terminated by the board of Parler. But the story you're hearing, unfortunately, is not correct. Here's the real story, so you have it, and don't believe the hype, so this fake news doesn't fester. And you don't, I'm already getting emails from listeners, understandably so, asking me questions about why was the parlor CEO let go? I read a story at foxnews.com where he claims he was a real advocate for free speech, um, and he was a real advocate for product stability, and he was let go. And um, folks, College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. That's not accurate. Those are his statements, not mine. I have no personal gripe against John, uh, the CEO at all. I want to be crystal clear, but John decided to make this public, uh, not us. We decide we were handling it like uh, like gentlemen. And John decided uh, somehow to make this public or put out this memo that was made public via press report. So here's what really happened. We were the ones, in fact, fighting to get Parler back up. It was some really bad decisions made by people on the inside. And listen, this isn't us airing dirty laundry. This is protecting a company that is absolutely committed to free speech that I put the last year of my life into. Do you actually believe that someone else was on the side of free speech and me from the eponymously named Dan Bongino show was would get involved with a company that was fighting against free speech? You'd have to be an imbecile to believe that. There were two separate visions from the comp- for the company. And I don't know what John's saying in his reports out there, but this free speech vision, that was ours, the other owners of the company. Let me be crystal clear on this. He makes two points that, oh, I was a big advocate for free speech. That was my vision. And I was a big advocate for product stability. That is not true. Everybody digging my chili, what I'm laying down, that is not true. That is false. If he wants to get into a battle over here of narratives, he's going to lose because there's this thing getting in the way of that story he keeps telling, and it's called the truth. The truth gets in the way. Now, Dan is, uh, I think, putting it out there as honestly as he can because now stories are coming out. Just about a half hour ago, Parler former CEO says he was fired for wanting to moderate right-wing extremism on the platform. Now, I think we all know that that's not true. I don't think that uh, Dan Bongino is going to follow or excuse me, fire anybody because the guy says he wants to get rid of Nazis. No, 
Everybody wants to get rid of Nazis and all of these crazy people that are like, at what point, at what point do we have to take, what, when does the Second Amendment kick in? I'm thinking, how dumb are you? Are you as dumb as a doorknob or dumb as a bag of rocks? Because the Second Amendment kicked in back in 1789 when they had the Constitutional Convention. It's literally always been a thing. There's no trigger for the Second Amendment. It's always there. So to ask a question that says, hey, at what point does the Second Amendment kick in? Guess what, pal? It's always been kicked in. You're instigating. You're trying to instigate to get somebody to say, oh, yeah, if the government won't do the right thing, then I'm going to have to take it back and take it by force. You're a clown. That's what you want to do. Go ahead and do it. But you're going to end up like everybody else that tried to pull that stunt on January 6th. Dan Bongino advocates all the time to pick a side. There's nothing wrong with picking a side ideologically, philosophically. Do it with your money. You could do it with your house. You could sell your house, move to a more conservative part of the town, the state, or the country. It's okay to be prepared if all hell breaks loose to have a few boxes of ammo, a few thousand rounds. Nothing wrong with being prepared. There's something wrong with preparing to attack. That is a difference. That's the, the whole thing. The minute the government comes knocking at your door saying, hey, we're going to post up some troops in here, which is the whole reason we have the Second Amendment, to protect ourselves from the government. Now, some people want to take that and say, oh, but we're going to have to listen. If probably the best president in my lifetime, and I say probably because you know I was born during the Reagan administration, if Trump didn't say, hey, I'm sounding the alarm, I need your help, patriots. Why on earth would you think that Biden or anybody else is going to do that? We have a military. Trump was in charge of that military, solely in charge of the military. Now, he might have had some pushback from people, but he, he got rid of tons of generals. And the ones he didn't get rid of, they jumped ship over whatever differences they had. So my point is, yes, there are extremists out there on both sides of the aisle. And you got to call them out. And we know that's why Amazon went after Parler because they said they weren't moderating. I get it. So they have to fix this moderation issue. And part of it is saying, we don't want to stifle free speech. We don't want to be like Twitter and decide, you know, create these guidelines where now we can arbitrarily, instead of filtering out extremism, we're filtering out honest to goodness opinions that are safe and American. And then, of course, Twitter went, you know, off the deep end with their moderation, quote unquote. But this is what Parler guy is saying. Uh, John Matsey, Mates, Matts, not sure how to say it, but he's saying he's out because they pushed him out because of whatever. Bongino says, hey, look, they were trying to get this thing back online and perhaps he wasn't all in. Who knows? You heard it right from Dan in the audio that we played. The memo that was distributed to staff last week on the 29th says that the board, controlled by Rebecca Mercer, decided to immediately terminate my position. This is a quote from John Metz, CEO of Parler. I didn't participate in this decision. He went on to say that he understood that those who now control the company have made some communications to employees and other third parties that have unfortunately created confusion and prompted me to make this public statement. Look, all I could tell you is this guy's a tech guy. He's a tech CEO. That's what he does. That's who he is. Bongino's a communicator that's always believed in free speech, like me. I say it all the time. And when I take calls, 
I always take calls from people that disagree and dissent. I'll let them put their, their two cents in, and we can talk about it. I do believe in free speech. And yes, the Constitution allows people to, to hate others. I understand that too. I, I, I take it all in. Bottom line here, Parler has always been a free speech platform as long as I've been on it, and I think I got on in 2019. Great, great at allowing you to get your message out, not controlling you, not slowing you down. But that's where we are. So yes, Bongino pushes back and tells people what really happened. And that's what's going on. Parler is doing what they've got to do to come back and come back big. Strongest comeback I think we're ever going to see of a social media company. And I can't wait. I can't wait. If I had to put money on it, I'd say it would happen by March 1st. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll happen before then. But that remains to be seen. So keep it locked right there. And you can follow me on Parler once it comes back at Rich Valdez. And on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all of that, I'm there. We're spreading this message, the This Is America message, the Rich Valdez Show message. We're putting it all out there for you. 1-800-848-9222. Give us a call. I'd love to hear your opinions on this. Plus, what happens if uh, President Trump defends himself in impeachment? And I want you to hear a little bit from uh, Jen Pasaki. And I know the P is silent. Big tech censorship is just the beginning. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. And part of what we're talking about today is what's going on in the White House press room with White House press secretary Jen Psaki. Yep, that's right. As Levin would say, that's right. I said it. Psaki. Now, listen to this. Happy to circle back with our team on that specific report. I will have to circle back on that one. I have to circle back with you on it. It's a good question. We'll circle back with you. But we'll circle back with you on this today. We will circle back. Certainly circle back. We'll circle back. Circle back. I'll circle back. I hate to disappoint you, but I will have to circle back with you on that as well. Okay. So, Pasaki hates to disappoint. She hates to circle back, but she does it anyway. And as pasupid as that sounds... Now she is screening reporters' questions before they get to her. The Biden White House press office has come under fire for reaching out to Capitol reporters to quiz them about the questions they'll ask Press Secretary Jen Psaki, and that is Pasaki, during the scheduled briefings, according to a new report that just came out. The practice rattled members of the White House press corps who expressed concerns that they could be seen as coordinating with political staffers and alerted the White House Correspondents Association. Ooh. Reporters on a Zoom call last week pressed other correspondents to push back at the White House's efforts to get the questions in advance or just ignore them, the report said. Now, here's a quote. While it's a relief to see briefings return, particularly with a commitment to factual information, the press can't really do its job in the briefing room if the White House is picking and choosing the questions they want, said one White House reporter. Mm-hmm. That's not really free press at all, they said. It pissed off enough reporters for people to flag it to the White House Correspondents Association for them to deal with it, said another. The report noted that the Biden press office has tried to draw contrasts with Trump and his administration being more con- more contentious to the press, and Pasaki makes an effort to call on every reporter 
Isn't that nice? She's more like a kindergarten teacher, Pisaki. And she's like, good children, if you guys behave, you'll get a snack. And she calls on everybody by name, which is really cute. Now, of course, you know, they're not going to get too far into that because, well, one reporter or an editor at The Spectator USA says that the Trump administration certainly never asked me for questions in advance. And I suspect there would have been universal outrage from reporters if they had done so. And uh, that that person is named. It's Amber Athey. And she was with uh, Spectator USA. So I think it's interesting that, of course, they're not going to say anything about this. Probably they'll say, yeah, we're going to circle back, you know, because what else are we going to do? And this is one of those things where you got to look at it and say, are we censoring what these people are going to say or screening them? Now, listen, there's, oh, that's really rich coming from you, Rich Valdez. Aren't you Mr. Call Screener from the Mark Levin Show? You're damn right I am. But here's the problem. I don't screen things because I don't want to talk about or Mark doesn't want to talk about or whatever. We screen things to keep it on topic because we have to make production calls live on the air. So if you want to talk about, you know, well, I think back when George W. Bush was in office and he, no, that, that's not, unless it's absolutely relevant to what Mark Levin is talking about, we have a show that we're producing and that's why it's such a damn good show because Mark brings out good topics. He brings out, um, he elicits the responses of millions, tens of millions of listeners and they want to contribute to that. Now, of course, you're going to get people that want to hijack the show and make it their own show and say, oh, you know, I heard you mention, you know, something about communism. Well, I'd love to talk about the history of Che Guevara. And while that may be interesting to a lot of people, it's definitely not what the show consists of. So if she's having a press briefing, now I'm not saying that they have their own Mr. Call screener in the White House press office. I think that's off limits. And she can always say that, you know, if she says, hey, today we're talking about President Biden and how he's destroying the economy with uh, coronavirus restrictions and somebody comes out and says, well, you know, I'd love to talk about um, Hunter Biden's laptop. She can choose to answer it, but likely she's going to say, well, right now we're going to keep it focused on the purview of what we're discussing. Next question. And I think that would be appropriate in that scenario. If something else comes up where it's China related and they want to say, well, on the Biden laptop, X, Y, and Z related to China and these investments. And in fact, Hunter Biden's still a 10% owner of one of these Chinese companies and living in Hollywood Hills and making a ton of money. How do you explain that? Then that's a more legitimate question that fits in the context. So I think it's interesting that, you know, they, um, they take this approach. But all that being said, it doesn't stop Miss Pasaki from saying stupid things about the Space Force. And now Space Force Obviously, it was a huge achievement, I think, that the president made to keep up with uh, the, the Russians, the Chinese, everybody that was in the arms race to get to the moon and to be on the moon and to advance into space. And as we all know, that's where the new w- battlefield, new wars are going to happen from up there, whether it's information, satellites, whatever it is, you can do a lot of damage from space. And that's why we have to be ahead of the game and not behind the curve. But It didn't stop her from taking shots at the Space Force. I want you to listen to this one. They asked whether the president has made a decision on keeping or keeping the scope of Space Force. Wow, Space Force. It's the plane of today. Um, It is an interesting question. Um, I am happy to check with our Space Force point of contact. I'm not sure who that is. I will find out and see if we have any update on that. Now, Obviously, she takes this as a joke, uh, almost as if it's not real. 
almost kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, Space Force. You guys thought that was real. It was actually a whole thing. We just put a label on a different part of the Air Force. And uh, I mean, who knows what, what's actually and I'm not saying that the President Trump did that. I'm just saying it clearly was something she did, she wanted to downplay and ridicule, likely because of the advances that Trump made with Space Force. Where you had the acting defense secretary of, uh, what was that, in December, saying that he'd never seen this kind of warfare. And this was a guy that had been in the service for 20 years, saying that the, the most advanced warfare he'd seen happened in his time in Space Force. So clearly there's a lot going on. I'm not saying this is intergalactic warfare with aliens or anything like that. I'm just saying if you've got a satellite up there that can shoot something, or at least get a picture of something a lot better so you could shoot something at it. That's a whole lot better than sending a ship with thousands of men and airplanes. You can knock down airplanes because you're up above the clouds and you can see what's going on. You have the tactical advantage. And that's just in layman's terms what I'm talking about. But that didn't stop Jen Psaki. She had more to say. Listen to this. The top Republican on the House Armed Services Committee is asking you to apologize for some of the comments that you made yesterday in the briefing room about the Space Force. Will you apologize? I did uh, send a tweet last night. You may not all be on Twitter. Maybe they're not on Twitter that said we invite the members of Space Force here to provide an update to all of you on all of the important work they're doing. And we certainly look forward to seeing continued updates from their uh, from their team. But big picture here, I mean, does the Space Force have the full support of the Biden administration or is the president at some point perhaps going to try to get rid of it or in some way diminish it? Uh, They absolutely have the full support of the Biden administration. Well, there you have it. So at least they claim to fully support what's going on. Even though their remarks drip of condescension, they clearly want to demean and ridicule and minimize the achievements of the Trump administration. Miss Pisaki and her stupid statements don't go unnoticed. Americans see right through it. This is why we have to be collectively alert. We have to know what's going on. We have to be able to look at things critically and understand them for what they are. This is why I always tell you, you have to stand for something. Otherwise, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing while AOC is lying, to sit there and do nothing while Parler is struggling to come back, to sit there and do nothing while the White House press secretary is making up her stupid lies. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, America, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.